Hi, good day to you. Happy Monday or good day if you're listening on any day that isn't Monday. Today, we have the story, Trade Me by Courtney Millen. If you recall, that she was also the same author of the last story I shared, Duchess Wall, the Duchess Wall. So today's one is Trade Me. Okay, before we get into today's story, I want to say a few things. Uh, today, I've been having this problem, right? Where I've been feeling like my chest has been clogged up and it's so heavy. And then I really started to journal to figure out what was going on. And I was listening to podcasts and I was just trying to calm down and I prayed and did all these things. Then I found out why I felt that way. Why did I feel that way? Well, as it turns out, I am having this fear of uncertainty. Now, here's the thing. Life is uncertain. But then I, like many other people with me, we fall into this trap of saying, yes, we know life is risky. Let's have fun. But then we want the certainty at the same time. For instance, I'm a freelancer. And that is like the mind. You know when you have like minds that explode? That's the minefield of uncertainty. Because one day you have all these clients besting down your door, willing to pay you one million, for instance. And then another day is like... 100 naira we're begging to see so it's 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 awful but i know life is not supposed to say that be that way i mean i know life is a steady stream of abundance it doesn't mean that abundance is not always associated with material things so it's just have that good feeling don't be looking at oh but if i had a hundred thousand in my account i would feel better just feel better now than hundred thousand will come so now that's the work and practice for me. And it's hard to feel when you're seeing all these expenses happening. But then that's life. The fact that those expenses are happening means someone else's coffers are getting filled. So you are contributing to abundance. So you shouldn't be scared and be like, oh, thank God I'm still doing something meaningful. Thank God that the same way that all this is flowing, something's going to come around to me. And hey, just keep showing up. And keep putting yourself out there. Like in my own case right now, I know I'm going to call a few people who maybe have referred me to jobs before. I'm going to remind a few few employers and be like, hey, it's about this job, about that job. I didn't hear from you again. What's new? How are you? You know, just do you have anything for me? Apologize, sweet talk, whatever it is. Hey, I hope they're not listening to this. Hey, even if you are, hi, lady. Hi, man. What's good? I respect you a lot. No, thank you. Okay. <laughs> so moving on. Today, we're talking about um, Trade Me by Courtney Millen. I'm not going to lie. This book just had this whole cliche thing going that made me think, oh my gosh, it's going to be a disaster. Look at it here. The main names of our leads are Tina Chen and Blake Reynolds. Let's pretend that his name, first of all, isn't a mix of Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds. You know, the it celebrity couple. The real life one, not the, not the, you know, fictional one we encountered in Meant to Be. So I'm not going to lie. I thought this book is going to go down here from here. And then it's going to be that, that typical, they will drag out how much the guy and the girl liked each other. And then there'll be a jealous ex the guy had. And then the guy's already this billionaire person. And I thought he would just throw money at her. And then she would dive in after hesitating. But not so. Let's take a deep, a deep dive in together. Okay. Before I go on, and this is your first time, you know, listening to me, thank you. You're returning. Thank you. 
thank you for coming back and thinking I'm worth your time. I think you're worth my time a lot too. <laughs> really, you are. I mean, if if you didn't exist, I I wouldn't be doing this. I would just have just talk to myself and be happy. <laughs> but I'm happier because I get to share this with you and I get to not do life alone. So thank you for stopping by. Whichever capacity you are, you're returning or this is your first time here in May. Thank you so much for coming by. My name is Chizuba Catherine, KT for short, and this is Novels and Bits. Welcome. Okay, so let's continue. So Tina Chen, she actually had a difficult life. She's a poor one. Her family were immigrants from China. Her disabled dad lost his job when she was admitted into college. Her mom worked a low-paying job and her younger sister had ADHD. There's um, attention deficit hyper disorder or something. But ADHD is literally that thing where a child can't sit still and they're like, oh, hyper, hyper. So you kind of need drugs to keep them at least in a put forth some time that they're able to learn and function normally. Do you get? So... Now, although Tina was only a college student who should focus on her, st- on her studies and take care of herself, she was constantly worried about her family. And she had good reason to. Her mom was the type of person who didn't know when to stop giving and threw herself headlong into immigrant cases because she believed that since their friends in China helped her and her family to get out of there, she should return the favor. Actually, her, her family had this um, problem in China this um, practice that they were into, it, it, it was some kind of um, martial arts practice and exercise or so. Okay, so her mom was the type of person, she didn't know when to stop giving. She threw herself headlong into immigrant cases because she believed that since her friends in China helped her and her family to get out of there, she should return the favor. Do you understand? Because the family, the Chinese government locked her husband up for that practice and it, it could have actually led to his execution But their family and friends gathered together, um, raised some money to send them to the U.S. And then they they luckily passed the immigration court hearing or something and became citizens. But, you know, so they are poor in the U.S. But the life they had in the U.S. is better off than what anything they would have had had they remained in China. Do you get so? But this is the thing here now. Her mother now became a righteous this thing like in as much as the family are struggling to have money but Uma will still know here she want to help all the world come out from china like anybody that had that kind of problem in china she's doing fundraising she's going to court hearings and all of those things trying to get them to move to the u.s too so that she can return the favor of how they helped her come out of there now this was all fair and good except she did it at the expense of her family especially her daughter they didn't have money to spare and they were often behind on on electric bills. They didn't even have health insurance. Tina's dad even had an, a leg infection one time because he delayed going to hospital when he needed to. Why didn't he go to hospital? There was no money for hospital bills. Uncle did not go on to heal. I had leg, leg infection. To help out, Tina worked extra hours and squirreled away tens of dollars that would have made a huge difference to her. I did not say hundreds. I did not say thousands. Tens of dollars. Like 40, 50. This is what this girl will be sending to her family. And this is money that could have bought her extra food, could have bought her maybe a nice time with her friends. Auntie, all Auntie knows is read and walk in school. She'll go to sleep around 2 a.m. because she's trying after working extra hours. She's trying to meet up and read and everything. I beg, I beg. Auntie was suffering. I'm not going to lie. Tina really suffered. 
So she will, she will send those extra dollars to her mom and she will ask her to use it to buy medicine for her sister Mabel, the one that had ADHD. But what her mother use it for? She will go and add it to the cost of an immigrant. Tina will just be so tired. She'll just be so sad. Her mother will now be like, eh, remember that day when we were in China and in their position, other people did it for us. Uh-huh. So should I live all my life grateful that other people did it for us? I mean, this is me that was reading the book. I was just vexing. Her sister really needed the money for that ADHD. So Tina would have to like save more money again and send and be like, please use it and get Mabel her drugs. I beg. So now, how Blake and Tina's um, lives intertwined was that Blake had attended the same college as Tina, UCLA, and he, they had a class together. So they were the oldest in the class for their own separate reasons. Like the class is, let's say, people of 18 or 19 that should be attending the class. But then Tina was 20 and then Blake was 23 that kind of thing so we were the oldest in the class and the reason is that tina didn't start school early i think because of money or something then as for blake you know he was still busy working in his father's company so by the time he now said okay let me go to college obviously he's now older than most college goers but and a whole lot wealthier and doesn't need that degree but he's just going to college for whatever reasons known to him they might still find out along the story okay but so on this particular morning the, this particular day, Tina wore her lucky sweater to school. It's this white sweater that they got from Salvation Army. And she and each day she wears it, something good always happens to her. But then this particular morning, dirty water got splashed on it. Guess who? Blake. He was driving and he splashed water on her. You never seem to notice. So in class, the topic of discussion was food stamps. And then the privileged students, in quotes, we have the opinion that food stamps made people lazy and perpetrated the cycle of poverty. So normally, Tina would keep quiet through the class, but that day she couldn't hold back. She got up and challenged Blake because different people were talking. Then at this point, Blake got up and was like, oh, he was just saying, we tried doing nothing. It didn't turn out well. There'll always be a permanent underclass. And the only question is how we treat them and what that says about us. Now, the thing is, his speech does not sound bad if you've never gone hungry in your life, simply because your parents don't have enough and not because they're not doing their best. You wouldn't have a problem with that if you've been fed well. You understand? But you have a problem with his speech if you know that it is not your fault that you're in this position, that you've tried to get out. Maybe government policies against you. I mean, Nigerians, we can relate to this. We can relate to the fact that if we try, try, for country, go try for straight chief. Even though, even though, even though, be one policy government go wake up, say, it go be, it go be one thing like that when, like, ah. It will now be NEPA or data. No, data where you use your own money, buy, no go walk because network provider just same and go day down that day. So it's just very annoying. Do it. But then we're always pushing now. Niger, Niger where we be, we, we get resilient spirit die. So these things he was saying, it, it sounded nice. But to someone who's living the first hand experience, it's, it's pretentious. They get so that's why Tina woke up and chat, um, not woke up like got up from her seat when she would normally keep quiet and I'll challenge him. She was like, Oh, so poor people are doomed, but we should have them anyway so that you can take credit. Tina threw at him, so Tina told him he knew nothing about being poor since his dad was a billionaire and he, Blake, was his heir. She told him that he wouldn't survive two weeks in her life. You'd think her classmates would repent of the opinions once they heard her outburst, like. Oh, she has, she's talking and explaining this and that they will get it. But then the class impact they swayed in Blake's favor. Someone said, ah, that's not fair. Blake works hard. However, Blake went quiet because he knew that Tina called out his BS 
where everyone else was overlooking it and hanging on to his every word. After class, he offered to buy her coffee. So he would lead her this kind of thing with her outside. I was like, let me buy you coffee to apologize. And she was like, she's busy and left. And actually, she was busy. She didn't do it so that she can be like, oh, you're apologizing to me? No, I don't have your time. This wasn't like an act on her part. She really was busy. And she couldn't afford to be a normal 20-year-old college student who sat around at a cafe and drank coffee with Blake. Meanwhile, Blake's dad was trying to convince him to return to the company and work full-time. And just leave that school alone because at this point he's working part time because he decided I want to go to college. And his father could not understand. He's like, people go to college to get a degree, to get a job that you already have. If you understand. So, what I don't understand with this logic of you going to college. You already have a job. You, 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 you're paid in, you're, you're, you're a billionaire, you're a billionaire on your own right. So, why are you going to school? Uncle couldn't get it. And honestly, I couldn't too, but when you learn about Blake's problem, you probably will get it why he's doing this. So Blake's father, the formidable Adam Reynolds, was the CEO of Cyclone Systems. It's a company that designed consumer electronics and he made his son the face of his company when Blake was 20 months old. Blake was a baby. A year and... 20 months is one year and eight months, yeah? That's when he started being on his on the ads for his father's consumer electronics. At that age, he advertised Cyclone's new products, and growing up, he continued to feature in the ads for the company's products. When he turned 14, his father assigned him a position in the company, and he continued dutifully with it for years, until Blake learned he had a problem that he couldn't tell his father about, because he didn't want to disappoint him. But when his dad asked him to run the launch for their new project, codenamed Fernanda, the name of the project is Fernanda, he knew that he couldn't refuse. Do you understand? But then, in as much as he didn't want to let his father down, like he agreed to run the lunch, he knew within himself that, oh my goodness, with this problem I have, I probably won't be able to give my best to this. What what solution now can I get? Who's going to help me do the, run this Fernanda project? And low-key, this is when our girl Tina starts coming into the picture. Just a little spoiler. So now, here's why Blake couldn't refuse. Because one would be like, but he can just tell his father, I don't want to ruin this project. And his father will let him because he has a big team. Come on, it's a big company. But the reason why Blake couldn't refuse is this. Less than a year ago to this time, prior to this time, his dad lost his best friend and Cyclone's chief financial officer, Peter Giacodes. That was, and this happened two nights before the launch of Cyclone's third generation tablet. Peter was also like his second parent to Blake and his death shook Blake so much. He felt his dad was dealing with the loss better than himself, right? He felt like, oh my gosh, my dad's best friend died. And my dad is taking better than me. And I know that maybe secretly my father is stressed. So let me try and help by running this launch to assist him. But inside, he just felt so trapped. So whenever Blake felt trapped, he liked to run. And he could run for hours until he felt lighter. Only to repeat the process the next, next time he felt that way. As a result, Blake was thin. The guy was actually thin. In one of those runs, his mind traveled back to what Tina said about trading life. You know that time when she was like, you can't survive two weeks in my life. You know, I got Natalie really considering it. Should I really go and try her life and say? He didn't fool himself into thinking it was a solution. But perhaps it could help him see a different perspective of his problem. And then he could come up with a solution. Also, he had met Tina. She was beautiful, intelligent, and determined. If trading lives would cause their lives to intersect all the more, he wanted to do it. So Loki was already like, hmm, let's go find Sha. 
maybe I, I feed just uses excuse to get to know her better, you know, that kind of thing. Meanwhile, Tina's mom thought she was taking care of herself. Like, she thought that Tina was taking care of herself, getting enough sleep, and even suggested that Tina should meet a rich boyfriend. It's as if her mom's bizarre suggestion conjured up um, Blake's friend request on Facebook, but Tina chose to do nothing about it because she was attracted to him. I mean, girl already knew, man, anytime I see this man, my hormones get out of control, so I should avoid him. His parents had taught her that nobody would ever take care of her but herself, and she couldn't let herself believe differently. So you know somebody might be like, girl, you're stupid. I mean, our Nigerian girls now, Bilonia is interested in you. <laughs> sharp, sharp. You'd be like, let me agree and start telling him that my phone is bad though, that I don't have money to eat, you know? Maybe if he send money or something, maybe we just take the whole body. Hamai did not go there. Hamai just went to, even though he's rich, it doesn't mean he would give me the money. And there are also guys like that. No matter how rich they are, they're not going to give that money. You get. But Auntie had this experience. Now had this experience that nobody would ever take care of her but herself. And she just didn't want to believe differently. Now, that's a very wrong belief system that we're going to see how that will affect her in the course of the story and if she changed it. So, let's go. After two days of her ignoring the guy's friend request, Blake sat next to Tina in class and then he passed a note to her. It led, them, it led to them exchanging notes and he accepted her offer to trade lives. They talked about it after class and the deal was that he would work her hours, pay her rent, leaving the excuse of a house she stayed in while she got his car, his house, his allowance and his duties like cyclone. So literally trading lives. It was through this conversation that Tina found out that Blake was worth $1.4 billion. You know, we've been saying he's a billionaire, billionaire. We don't know how much. His father is worth like 70-something billion. At least 60-something billion dollars. His own worth though, not his dad's or the company's. He was worth 10 figures. Why she wasn't even worth two? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my God, please. This is pressure. So Tina felt Blake's offer was too good to be true. She was going to get close to $50,000 from this deal. Like, it's a deal of one semester, like three months. And I get $50,000. That can literally pay the rest of her tuition and be, make her comfortable till she's done with school and gets a good job. You understand? So she felt it was too good to be true. She wanted to back her. But what convinced her was his, de- his desperation and his panicked wild look. Like, as if he needed the deal more than she needed it. And she felt like... I should be the one getting more out of this deal since I'm poor and he's so rich. So that's when you know that rich people's problem is bigger than money. At least your own problem is still that you, it's your data and money. 1K, 2K, ah, quick 10K. Ah, what, what about when you, let's say, imagine you had all the money in the world and then you start getting problems that money cannot solve. What do you want to do? That, that's literally the shoes Blake said, isn't And I feel like the more we see life as more feelings and you know, being in a good state, allowing her in abundance, it's really going to reduce how attached we are to material things and the need for things to work in a certain way. So, to fully set things in motion, this is that trade in mo- that them trading lives and all. She needed access to the prototypes, you know, for Fernanda, the, the you know the, the product launch. And Blake's father Adam was protective of the new tech. The only way that Adam would grant Tina access was if Tina was Blake's boyfriend, was Blake's girlfriend, right? So obviously now Adam is also a piece of work. The man can swear a eh? Jesus, and he's rude, and he does he has no tolerance for mediocrity. Do you understand? But he wasn't a bad person at all. 
Tina had one condition to cinch the deal. When they were done with the deal, they'll go their separate ways. No attachments whatsoever, not even as Facebook friends. So Auntie was like, okay, I'm going to agree to do this deal with you. I'm going to, pre- I'm going to agree to pretend to be your girlfriend and meet your dad and get access to these um, prototypes and run this Fernanda launch thing. Yes, I agree. On one condition. That when we are done with this deal, we'll go our separate ways. Like nothing. We would have no communication whatsoever. We'd be as if we never even knew each other. Not even, we won't even be Facebook friends. Do you understand? Like she really wanted such a clean break like that. Why? Uh, we'll find out. So Tina confided in Maria, her roommate and best friend, about the arrangement she agreed to with Blake. The girl assumed that Blake was doing it to escape from his dad. Oh, they had no idea. Me too. When I saw, you know, Blake, uh, Blake agreeing to this, I was like, is his dad that horrid? But then I saw the interaction and you would want to, and the thing is, on the day that Adam and Tina met, like Adam is Blake's dad, Tina isn't noticed from Blake's interaction with him that they got along. So his dad is not a problem since they got along, right? So father and son also swore at each other in a way that was playful, like, hello, bastard, hello, hello, douche, hello, you understand? So when Tina eventually asked Blake why they did this, why did guys talk to each other like, hello, son of a bitch, kind of thing? He said that his dad had to go to therapy one time for swearing at his employees. So the therapist now said that he should swear at people he loved and that those people should swear right back at him because when he swears at his employees, the employees definitely, I mean, why would my boss swear at me? It's mean and it makes him look, it's, it's so... Rather than you swearing at those your employees, just swear at your own family that can swear right back at you. So those people were Blake and Lee Peter. So Tina managed to impress Adam, even though he was a grade A asshole to her. She achieved this with her normal personality, which her normal personality is a mix of sassy, sarcastic, and, and analytical. Their conversation is one of my best parts of this book. So you can check out the conversation thread on my Twitter link is attached like you see the link on the show notes so moving on by the end of their meeting adam approved of tina getting access to the prototype after seeing tina go toe-to-toe with his dad blake's attraction to tina magnified but he wanted her to want him and didn't want to squash her reluctance he didn't want to be like okay i'm going to make her want me now i'm going to go on this mind game so that she can fall for me and then i'll have the girl he wanted that I want this girl, but I want her to want me as much as I want her. So I'm going to give this time. And I know it's going to happen. I mean, that is mad confidence. Do all rich guys have this level of confidence? Is it the money? What do they used to eat for breakfast? I need to eat it. Like, where is this confidence coming from? He knew she was attracted to him too. Okay, look, oh, this is the confidence. He, he, knew she, he already knew she was attracted to him. Mm-hmm. And he also knew she was fighting it, but he was willing to wait for her. Mm-hmm. That's sweet. So Blake took her to see the prototype at Cyclone Campus, and it brought a lot of memories back to him since he spent a lot of time at Cyclone Campus as a young boy. He felt as if he was in a trap built of sunshine and nostalgia. Being there with Tina helped because they talked and flattered, even over paperwork. You need to tell they were flattered over paperwork. I was laughing. It was so chill. So he told her about the first time they met at the library, he was like, I've met you before. I met that I noticed you because someone was like, nobody notices me. She's like, I noticed you. I've met you at the library before. And he explained the day. And she was actually the day because she was working as a library assistant then. She helped him find some books. And she did not, rec- not remember that memory. She doesn't have that memory at all. But Uncle, like, Blake had the memory very well. That's to tell you that sometimes you might think I'm invisible, but people actually see you. They take note of you. So. 
Six days later, they completed the trading of lives because obviously trading lives was a process and everything. She she had to take him to the house, show him the hacks of the house. He had to take her to the car, even using his car self because he uses a Tesla and it's quiet. And until we'll be driving a Tesla at 40 kilometers per hour, a Tesla, that's a very slow speed. Ha. So they completed the trading of lives and they got a taste of Tina's house, which he termed dump. So the kind of house was a converted garage. I needed to memorize hacks to survive in the place. As for Tina, she couldn't turn on Blake's Tesla without testing him for directions. She felt overwhelmed by everything. Him, his car, the non-disclosure agreements, definitely that's an NDA. They're dealing with a rich person. In fact, she never drove his car past 40 miles an hour. Okay, it's 40 miles. Kilometers is less. Miles is greater. Hmm. Okay. Within days, she found out that Blake's work takes up more time and brain work. So now time when she was thinking, oh, all the guy does is more, you know, she does more physical labor, but he does more of brain work. So she found out. Then she had to write a product launch for Fernando's lunch. And to do so, she had to assess, She, you know, she had, they, they gave her access to past scripts and videos and she, she just got to saw how creative they were. It was astounding and so impressive. At the end of her analysis, Tina realized that what Blake needed her to do was write a true, const- a true construction, which was Blake and Adam's interactions in the product launches. Because a, a crucial part of how Cyclone Systems, that's Adam's um, company, sells their products, their electronic products, they sell a family relationship. So Blake and his dad's relationship are somewhat media content. And they do this annually to sell products. I mean, it's not faked, but, you know, you just have to write in an interaction they will have normally, but then around a product launch, that sort of thing. So this is another thing about storytelling. And you, you see it in real life, take place in marketing, use it just just like the families that we sell products around oh, my, my family and I get along and we use this product. Hey, buy it to your family and you also get along too. Or just something like that. Okay, so this is a bare minimum example. So moving on. At the end of analysis, so, okay. It was scripted, but could also be real. That's a true construction. It's, it's like, it's a script that could also be real. So it's not a fake thing entirely. And to do this, Tina needed the truth of whatever was keeping father and son apart from opening up. Because at this point, Blake has realized that his father, Adam, is having his own pain, but the man is not really saying it to his son. Blake too is having his own pain and he doesn't want to talk to his dad so that he doesn't disappoint him. So both of them are keeping things from each other. Like in as much as they are bantering and clothes and seeming clothes, they also avoid you know, Blake at the point was avoiding his dad's self. So she needed to know what, why is whatever happening between both of you happening to really get to the root of it. Meanwhile, Blake adapted quickly to his new job as a dishwasher in a Chinese restaurant. Tina got him the, the job by asking one of her mo- mom's friends, Zen, as a favor. Is it Zen or Zen? Oh, let's just say Zen. Sounds more Chinese. She learned soon that Blake spoke passable Mandarin <laughs> because of one time he went to um, China because they had a... Um, uh, what do you call it, production company. They know how things are made in China. So he had to learn a bit of Mandarin to communicate with the workers and stuff. So, and Blake also learned from Jen that Tinasman was involved in immigration courses and knew a lot of random things involved as as well as, like the lady knew as much as the lawyer knew. The only thing that she's not a lawyer that can stand and defend a case. But Tinasman is the kind of person that, man, 
Like when Tina got in trouble one time, and Tina called her, she was like, don't say anything. Just talk to me, but talk to me in Chinese, but don't say anything important. Just talk to me about your day. Like I was like, wow, this man is sharp. <laughs> so the lady knows a lot of things about the law and lawyers and a court case, just like she's not a lawyer herself. So she's that great because she's just so involved in trying to bring people who need to come out of China over to the US. So Tina asked what was going on with him and his dad. And from what he replied, she had something to work with. But what he replied was kind of vague. So moving on. Unfortunately, Adam reached out to Blake and informed him that in six weeks, which was also the day that Fernanda would be launched, he would step down for Blake for a few months. You know, Blake was thinking he wouldn't take over from his dad until a couple years. But then, and he's still trying to win the girl, right? Only for your dad to like just interrupt everything and say, hey, that you know when Fernando is going to get launched, that's the same day I'm stepping down and you are going to be on top of this thing. So get ready. So Blake was terrified because he didn't want to be his dad for the rest of his life. I mean, he looked at his dad and his life wasn't exactly what he wanted, workaholic and everything. To feel better, he, won- he went for a run. I forgot he had appointments with Tina to review the product script. So by the time he came back from his run, she was waiting for him there. So Blake was pre- present when Tina's mom, when Tina called her mother to remind her to pay the electricity bills. So there was a website that Tina used to log on to, to see whatever bills her family owes. She logged on to there so that the electric- electricity bills hadn't been paid. So she called her mom and be like, please pay this. Her mom was like, oh, that she spent the money on an immigrant appeal and she'll pay it later. Her mom asked her about her boyfriend because she had learned of Blake from Jen. She was concerned when Tina said she'd pay the bills and asked to spend it on. You know, so when Tina was like, don't worry, she didn't answer the question about the boyfriend part. But when she was like, don't worry, I'll pay the bills. And her mother was like, no, 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 don't don't pay it. Spend it on your boyfriend instead. Blake, Blake was just trying not to laugh when he had this. So after the call, Blake asked some questions and realized that Tina was enabling her mom's irresponsible side by always stepping in and taking care of the expenses Instead of leaving her mother to figure things out. You know you can't do this thing. You can't be like, oh my gosh, but I never do it. So I have to do it for them. And then you're getting all angry and upset. For instance, at this moment, I am still staying with my little cousin who is 11 years old. And she has a habit sometimes of not being the most organized person. I mean, we've all had that stage. So there are times I just come and I arrange everything, right? But that's enabling her behavior. I mean, it's more stressful to be like, hey, hey, I'm here. Fix this, fix that. It's more stressful, actually. It's easier to arrange, in your opinion. But you, by you arranging it, the other person never learns. And you keep enabling that irresponsible side. And this is an example of what Tina had been doing. So she never really had to take on her family's responsibilities. But for some reason, she did. And when she eventually explained why she did, is because when they all first came over to US, she was the only person who knew how to, from going to school now, children and everything, she was the first person who knew how to read um, English, new things. So automatically, she would read a lot of bill statements and everything. And just by being responsible for reading and explaining things to her family, she also started taking on the bills without even realizing it. Do you get That's really what led to this thing. But I like the fact that, you know, now she has someone else who's like, you're actually enabling this irresponsible side. Do you understand? So instead of, but the thing is, Blake didn't say this thing to her yet. He just observed it. I mean, and that's so cool. 
the fact that you and someone are close and you're seeing them do something, I mean, you can based on your relationship. Blake is not exactly her friend at this point. They just have a deal. I mean, if it was Tina's roommate who observed this and said it to her, it's good. But Blake shouldn't be the one to say it, at least not at this point in their relationship. They're not that close yet. So, all right. They can't, but then this conversation led to him encouraging her to go for what she wants and, you know, not to just keep doing her family, her family. Just focus on yourself. Go for what you want. And it just dawned on her why he was talking. Of, it's actually this guy I want. And she ends up, up kissing him and like, okay, see, I wonder. And, you know, they, they had all this intense breakout section and it was all hot and steamy. It was going to lead to more, but then she stopped and left. So dry, right? Okay. So days later, Tina came to pick Blake from work and she apologized for what happened between them. For a while, nothing else happened and they focused on living each other's lives, like their traded lives. So he understood better what money represented to her and how hard it was to come by for her. Soon they had to go to Tina's house together for an immigrant's court hearing. It was on a weekend. So Tina didn't tell her mom about the trade because the woman would have spent staff's money. That $50,000 like she's getting. The woman would have thrown it around. So, and she also and to hide the fact that she had mon- more money, like obviously that she's making more money because she's you know trading lives with Blake and all, and she didn't want to drive Blake's car to the house. I mean, ah, why would you drive a Tesla? <laughs> there. So they had to rent a car that looked poorer, and then they, and they now drove to her family's apartment. So it was through this trip that Tina learned more about um, Blake. Um, the fact that he had no mom, just on their drive, they were talking. He doesn't. He never had a mom. His father never mentioned it. So, it's, and then his childhood. So also, Blake met her family members, laughed a lot because of her mom's unfiltered speech. Jesus, her mom. Oh my God, her mom said a lot of things that I can't say on this podcast because it won't be appropriate. <laughs> and then she spent time with Tina's, and then Blake spent time with Tina's dad and compared him to his own dad. They were so different. His dad was a loud news watcher, like, you know, one of those dads on that, when they would say, who watch watch and be like, stupid people, can, 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 can. you understand, there are people who are like that, but they're watching news, so they're so vocal about it, but Tina's that when he's watching news, he's just abnormally quiet, you know, in a calm tone, so it's this kind of thing that, okay, when the news went on a recess or something, so, and then... Blake and um, Tina's dad, Mr. Chen, they got talking. And then Mr. Chen told Blake about his lucky leg, the disabled one. The one that Tina used to see, like, because of this bad leg, my dad can't get a job. He's always getting fired. He's always getting a leg infection. Mr. Chen was seeing that leg as a blessing. He was like, if not for this leg, I would have been deported. My family would not even be here in the U.S. But because of this leg, we are here. And because of this, like, I have a second daughter. And Tina didn't quit school at 16 to become a factory worker. Because that's what would have happened if they stayed in China. And if they stayed in China, um, um, Tina's um, um, younger sister, Mabel, wouldn't have been born. Because it's that whole have a one child thing now. So he's counting his lessons, his blessings that came as a result of one bad leg. That he, he even said that he had a friend too that went to the court hearing with him. You know, they were trying to gain immigration into the U.S., but they, they, they deported the other guy because there was no physical ache to show that he was maltreated and beaten by the Chinese government. For him, he had the leg as evidence. So, I would I actually want to finish the story today because that is, it's not so... Okay, it's still a little much to go. 
but I'll finish it on the next episode. So I really hope you enjoy the story enough to come around, um, come back around and see how it ends. So let me know what you think. Bye bye.